0: Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, We essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you. We figure out what your operations are. We figure out what your processes are. We figure out what your team doesn't like to do. And we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, But this isn't specifically about what we do. It's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, Who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, What are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team. Uh, Our website is invisible.co and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plain Sight Podcast. My guest today is Paul Girajian, and he is the director of analytics at Invisible. Uh, invisible technologies so welcome to the show thank you thanks for having me so what is analytics
1: great starting off hot um analytics uh, if there's a bunch of definitions for analytics i've i've been seeing pop up over the last 5 10 years now but the simplest definition i'd probably say is um uh, it's the understanding and science of using data in the ideal of making decisions, or just understanding patterns in general, so that's the that's gist of it. And then that could obviously spin off to multiple different ways of doing it. But yeah, it's uh, just using data and understanding it.
0: Mm. And so we've got data, we've got information, we've got knowledge, we've got wisdom. Um, I almost want to add the 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 like what's next after wisdom, which may be you know enlightenment, but we'll uh, we'll leave that for another uh, another uh, podcast. Uh, but, uh, so data, information, knowledge, w- what, what is the relationship between data and knowledge?
1: That's a good question. As you were saying that the data, information, knowledge, wisdom, it reminds me of that meme. I don't know from a long time ago that like, uh, just that brain that keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and you can kind of see it like that, where data is anything around you really can be data. Like um, any piece of information, anything that even exists contains some data about it, uh, its attributes, um, its behavior, its changes in behavior. And so that once you start picking up on those, you could start turning those into patterns and then those patterns start explaining the why's, the how's. and then you start becoming more knowledgeable. That's the, uh, I guess the, the, the progression of that data is, a, uh, uh, the input to knowledge, uh, the input to understanding the input to wisdom and over time, over multiple iterations, you get more and more knowledgeable, more and more, um, correct and accurate on the understanding and the, the manipulation of data.
0: Mm. That's really cool. So what do most people get wrong about what you can know or what you can tell given a certain amount of data? Like what are some things that, you know, like I'm sure you've worked in a bunch of different things and with a lot of people who don't really understand analytics and what do those people not understand about what you do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of people have a, a preconceived expectation that data is this magical thing that will answer their questions for them, um, which is absolutely not, I mean, in an ideal world it is, but it's not, it doesn't happen overnight, you know, um, it's, it's over multiple iterations, like I'd mentioned of understanding a specific event or, or, or a reference frame that, that lets you really hone in the the the, uh, the the true power of data so that's probably i would say the 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 biggest mistake that people make um yeah
0: mm. uh so that is not this magical thing in a perfect world we we could get uh just sort of like i could we could there's be this data and we could understand all these business problems uh, what's the trickiest business problem that you've ever come across and like how to translate that into data actually before you answer that question let me give you uh the my understanding of what you're what you're talking about so we have these business problems uh let's say we've got we want to understand why a customer is is churning or something like that um and then we look at the data and the data can be all sorts of things about revenue about the types of interactions we've had with the with the customer um uh the information flows maybe between the apis and such um, is that an accurate representation of uh, connecting a business problem to uh data um and if not what is that what is an accurate representation of that
1: yeah that's a that's a good starting foundation I think one of the things that also is to very important is that data isn't doesn't just necessarily exist out of thin air especially when you're talking about using it in an analytical context in companies so what I mean by that is I can't just pull data out of nothing I have to have to some degree mapped out what it is that I want to be tracking what it is that I want to be measuring uh, what it is that I want to be analyzing what features of a specific data point do I want to look at Uh, for example if I'm a user coming into a a website or into a product there's a ton of stuff about me that could be valuable my age my the 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 my my method of connecting, whether I'm on a computer or a or a phone. And those are generally simple things to get. But then you get other stuff that ne- might necessarily be intuitive, which is like, how happy I, am I when I visited the website today? Right? What is my what is my true mindset? What is my reason of visiting today? Is it different than yesterday's? Why am I, why am I choosing to visit this over other websites, for example? And so there's a lot of data can only give you so much and one of the limitations going back to where the biggest problem was one of the mistakes that people make is data they, they hope data tells the story one of the limitations is we're not necessarily tracking everything about specific data points we're not potentially asking the right questions and that's okay right it's you don't expect to get the right questions off the bat uh, and that's the whole thing about scientific methodology right about hypothesis testing and stuff mm-hmm. but um you you just sometimes don't know, and so that that bridge between a business problem and what data, what data can help provide and what can answer, uh, there's there's more to it than just I guess like the, uh, what it what data can do. There's a there's pre work before data, which is the conceptualization component of what will matter, what could matter, how does it relate to the bigger picture, um, and then growing that portfolio of information as well over time.
0: That's awesome. So that gives me a really understand a good understanding, and I imagine that most businesses, unless they have someone like you, uh, uh, most businesses probably aren't even asking the right questions. They haven't got the whole thing set up, like of like what type of things do we need to track. Uh, it, it would that be an accurate uh, accurate representation of your role at Invisible? Like how how good was Invisible at uh, at analytics before you joined? and what have you done so far and what are your plans in the future
1: yeah that's a good question i think my, i mean not to diminish my role to to just one thing because i do a million things in analytics as as i so love to do uh but yeah i th- you're spot on with my role is to make sure that i i could help expose the most important questions we're not just kind of asking things on a whim, but we're more intelligent about how we're approaching it because that way we could be more metho- methodical about how we collect data over time uh, and then how we could feed into um, the answers that we want tracked over time as well in our understanding. Hmm. The one thing is data already existed invisible, right? There have been people before me doing this role. There have been people in multiple roles, all the engineers that create systems. They don't create systems without any data tracking, right? All the people that are... All the people that are coming into management roles, even in, 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 in more, in more junior roles, they have information in their minds, whether they're tracking it explicitly or they're, they're tracking it in their, in their heads, all all this information is valuable. And so my role would be to find a way to hone in all that knowledge that people have, whether it be hands-on knowledge with what they've been doing in invisible experience that they've had over time, theoretical knowledge, innovative ideas, uh, and be able to capture that in a, uh, like I mentioned, a a methodical way Mm -hmm. of
0: being able to replicate uh, insights. Very interesting. Okay. Um, And so what I got from that is essentially we we're, were, and I already saw this before you came on that, invisible is very clear on the dashboards so we've had a whole bunch of dashboards uh and like that has been a consistent thing throughout the lifetime of the company we can you know look back on notion and i can see dashboards like that was once once we set up that notion there were dashboards everywhere um and uh so what is a dashboard and what do most people get wrong about a dashboard yeah as you
1: started saying dashboard i kind of started twitching a bit dashboard's a blessing and a curse listen i'm a big fan of dashboards because obviously it's it's the it's one of the bread and butters of what what we really do as an analytics team, right? A dashboard is very simply put a, a, a summarization uh, of insights coming from data points. And generally that tends to be uh, a visual summarization. Um, now there's pros and cons to that, but one of the biggest pros is that a lot of people understand what they can, what generally tracks back to their senses and to their experiences. Uh, it's very easy for people to see patterns than it is for them to read and uh, extrapolate patterns. And that's a very human thing. It's, it comes back down, like I said, to the senses, right? If I could make a dashboard that has something to do with, um, funny enough, how you hear, That's that's a different type of... Yeah. Information management, right? And then uh, one would argue a podcast is a type of dashboard. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, more uh, auditory than it is um, visual.
0: Okay, that's super interesting. That that just brought me into a train of thought, which is really cool. Uh, and I'm excited about going further. Um, I mean, AI is going to change a lot of things. And uh, I think we're both uh, involved with this company because we, both of us probably th- probably think that and a lot of other people think that that AI is going to be a pretty big change and uh it's been so crazy to see that the first sort of sense that ai you know they started with the self driving cars everybody thought ai is going to revolutionize self driving cars with vision with this ability to see everything and then large language models came up and large language models so like the first real sense that people interacted with it's is not even really a sense or not traditionally a sense. It's like our reasoning and our language ability and our like all this different stuff. And so it's such a surprise to me. I'm sure it was a surprise to a lot of other people. Um, and so the and that's like information, knowledge, knowledge sort of reasoning, abstract reasoning and language. Um, and then uh, so we, and, and we had that term back in like 2015 to 2018, maybe even earlier about big data. Uh, and big data being oil oh, data is the new oil um and uh and I guess it was I guess it was true uh like it felt like it was kind of hyped but it did lead to this you know like the the uh llms they went and scraped the internet basically and then they put it into this lossly compressed sort of um uh, algorithm that basically queries the whole internet uh and then brings it back and and guesses what's the next word and uh it's just so interesting that that whole thing happened and where I'm going is that I've heard that the MRIs can start to um, uh, parse some of our thoughts. If you put your head into an MRI thing, it's like this large thing that fits over your head. Um, it looks like the big brain meme. If anybody wants to have a laugh, go look at the uh, uh, wo- big brain Wojak, um, and that's the they put a machine that looks like that on top of your head to read the MRIs, and so they can make. They can sort of read your thoughts if you go into this MRI. The LLMs can read your thoughts, and it makes me think about all the different senses that were that that are going to like the humanity's going to make a jump pretty soon into something new, and um and there will be all these new senses that technology opens up and. Uh, and what you said about analytics is so interesting because data, like, as you said, this podcast is a sort of dashboard into both of our minds, into our, like a little part of our minds basically. And then I was going to ask you before you said that about like smell, can you bring a, you know, can you design an analytics for your, for your, for your, your sense of cell smell? Um, And it just reminds me that there's so many, you know, we humans are trained to have certain senses attuned to certain things. But then if you go to look at animals, animals have like infrared vision and there's all just all sorts of other other ways. Um, I don't have a specific question about this, but do do you have any thoughts that came up as I was talking about that?
1: Yeah. um, Going to the senses like i mentioned data is pretty much everything mm. right so you can can you build a dashboard out of senses we probably do that day to day right we probably use our senses to understand our environment as 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 much as possible um we probably it's it's in our human i, I would say it's in our human nature to understand mm. it's in our human nature to find patterns we seek comfort in in patterns we seek comfort in I mean, there's, there's so many studies, studies like, um, human attraction towards symmetry, right? Why are we attracted to symmetry? Probably because it helps predict a pattern and we seek comfort in pattern. Um, and so we do that very regularly with all of our senses. And I'm not talking about just our, our, our senses of, uh, I'm not talking about just the five senses that we're, we're accustomed to, right? I, I think if you look into the human senses, there are the lesser traditional ones, right? There's the, a sense of uh, a sense of self, a sense of location. There's all these different types of sense of time, understanding how time passes. So all of these different senses that we, they're essentially receptors of, of information. Um, AI, one of the most beautiful things about AI, especially coming back to the example that you gave um, with MRIs, we spend so much time trying to study the brain and understand the brain and understand the human that that controls the brain or at some point doesn't control the brain. Um, and one of the coolest things about AI is it doesn't necessarily have to answer why something is happening, mm-hmm. but it could more or less predict based on a specific pattern what something will be and i think that's that's one of the coolest things you could take an electrical wave within somebody's uh, mental network and and be able to track it and its progression and all the all the neurons that are firing at a given time and more or less infer what they're thinking and that's super cool and 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 that's i think it, it it kind of helps I think paint a, a very powerful AI is I think going to paint a very powerful picture about just how things can be repeatable um how how these patterns just have come up from either thin air or over centuries or uh, millennia of of of, of human mm. growth evolution etc so all of these is, is super interesting because some things we take for granted and then if AI can replicate it, that means there's a pattern to it, right? Yeah. It's not true. just a random, it's not a random occurrence.
0: Yeah, we're getting into heady philosophical waters, which I love going into. Uh uh yeah. the the uh I was just interviewing for my personal channel yesterday. Uh uh the I w- I am not interviewing her yet, but I will interview her, the CTO of uh, personal.ai. And personal.ai is a very interesting company. Uh uh, I interviewed the CEO a couple of weeks ago. And what they're doing is we've got LLMs, uh, you know, open AI LLM that covers uh general knowledge, you know, like if you have a general knowledge question, open it the chat GPT is gonna answer that question pretty well. Pretty soon it's also going to get to uh, domain-specific knowledge. And Invisible is going to help, uh, can help a lot of companies get into that domain-specific knowledge by fine-tuning models based off data sets and stuff like that. Uh, and now, and then, well, so what's left besides general knowledge and um, uh, and domain-specific knowledge? And what's left is us, our, our, our personal knowledge. And so they, they've they created what's what's called a personal language model. Uh, which is based off of you train it by going into a chat room and you have conversations with other people and you input your own you know your memories, your thoughts, your all these different things about it. And it, it, going back to that patterns thing you mentioned about like if if it if an LLM can do this or if an a PLM can do this, that means there's a pattern there. And then it gets to this sense of self that you also talked about and like what are we? Who are we? Um, and and if something can be uh, put into a pattern. Do we exist like is that is that us or is that like just uh, an aspect of us um and i would say that, like i think we're, we're going to end up in very interesting philosophical waters territory waters about learning about who we are based off of lms and and ai and this ai revolution it's going to teach us a lot about ourselves and i think i've already learned a lot about ourselves and this happens with every wave of technology you know facebook taught us about social networks and how how humans generally network together um and um and so what I've learned already since the LMS is uh, I love that they called it a hallucination uh, that, that when they, when it makes a mistake or it makes an error, they used to call it just an error or a bug. Right. Uh, And now, now it's a hallucination. Um, And uh, so, but then if we have that high of a bar for the robot to say, you can't ever make mistakes, we'll call it a hallucination. You're not very trustworthy. Can we then put that back onto ourselves and say, well, don't we make mistakes all the time? No, aren't we doing misinformation? Like are, are aren't all these things an aspect of being human as well? Why, why does the robot have different different standards for us? Although I think it probably does make sense to give the robot different standards. Um uh, on that large ramble that I went on, wh- what came to mind? Uh, do you have anything uh interesting to add?
1: Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the things that stick out also is like the the progression of of these models and how they're they're kind of developing I think we all kind of in the last week or so heard about um a model that is starting to learn uh maybe not through information that it's it's been it's not information that's fed but it's it's running through it's it's learning like grade five math if I if I recall mm-hmm. the uh uh what I heard um I think it was through social media to, admittedly so um it it comes back down to what is AI really doing is it solving complex problems that we can't solve or is it at a larger scale replicating information that we already know to Mm. attribute it to specific questions? I'd be, I I I've had this question. I don't know if AI will, and I'd be really interested. I'd be interested on when the day comes where some model is able to come up with a hypothesis that has never Mm -hmm, existed something Mm -hmm. that we've never thought about right take for example gravity gravity the, the idea of gravity has changed over time the the way we describe gravity uh from it being just something that exists to then something that is a force to then a a fold into space time and this is all an evolution of our understanding of everything around us but we are i don't know if if we'll ever get to a point where a model can infer the next step of of thought or 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 a eureka moment like that where we come up with a new model for something that we're so closely aligned to that's i think because ai is generally just a, a an extension of us machines are an extension of us when we had the uh, the the uh the the revolution, evolution of 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 just like the machine, the cars, the factories and stuff, they were doing what we want to do at a larger scale, better, faster, quicker. AI is doing that at a larger scale, just better, faster, quicker, right? I don't go to chat GPT to... Because I I don't know if I could figure out an answer most of the time. Sometimes I just do it because it's faster than I am at stuff. For example, I'll give, this, is, this is kind of silly. I used it yesterday. We were writing Christmas cards for our friends, my girlfriend and I yesterday. And so... And she's like, come up with a funny pun. And I was, like, oh. I was like, it was like 9 p.m. I was I just finished making dinner. I had no interest in like racking through my head of funny puns I could make about Christmas. And then we just ran it through GPT okay. and it just spit something out. And I was like, great, just use this. She's like, this is genius. How did you come up with it? I was like, I didn't. Okay. Everybody else in the world has probably thought about something similar. And GPT kind of averaged that out into something they thought could you would Wait. like based on what I told it.
0: So, do you think that that's accurate? That it that 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 somebody else came up with that similar idea, or is ChatGPT recombining it into something new that hasn't ever existed? Like, do you think that every instance of ChatGPT has, like, whenever I ask it something, that's it's just it's just creating something kind of like a carbon copy of that thing, or is it in the recombination that the emergent?
1: Yeah. Thing is? I think we're going to go into a little deep here again on philosophy. And I'll, this is, I don't, there's no, there's no answer here, right? It's, it's more of a debate, but what is creating? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is it, is it just a combination of previous experiences into a new experience? Like what I'm saying is a sentence might have never been said before I'm creating a new sentence. And I would, I wouldn't think most people would say I'm creating anything, but we are right. We're putting different ideas, different experiences, different things that might not go together into something that, is just put together by by sheer I don't know chance, uh, happenstance, whatever you want to call it, right? It's um, creating is just the the amalgamation of of things that we know or things that we've experienced. Um, mm-hmm. There's more to it, of course. I'm sure this could be debated, and like I said, I, this this can go on and on. But for the most part, what we do is what we call innovation is generally a recycling or a substituting of
0: ideas into one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so going back to that question of of whether it creates something new whether it comes up with a hypothesis that we've never thought of uh and that like that that creation of something new that like do you think we'll be able to understand it do you think that well, and this goes to the question I've been asking a lot of people about mechanistic interpretability, which is uh, a word I got from Anthony Blardo when he presented in the conversations uh, talking about how how well we know whether one what is the contribution of one particular neuron in the neural network and how much vision do we have over those component parts about how it makes the emergent whole. Uh, my understanding is we don't have a lot of mechanistic interpretability, but they're working on it. And do you think we get to a point where where we do get full vision into that or what's your take and what's your understanding of mechanistic interpretability had you already known that concept before he brought it up
1: Yeah I I think the 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 beauty behind big data the beauty behind uh, AI and the beauty behind like essentially computerizing human thought language whatever you want to call it uh is being able to quickly run models to understand things at a larger scale you can if you have um one instance of a neuron firing in one person's brain, you're not going to maybe be able to track that. And that's going back to what I was saying initially. One data point isn't enough. A thousand data points, you're starting to get a little bit more sensical. A billion data points, now you're talking, right? These types of simulations, running all these different variations, running all these instances, that is what I think we're trying to facilitate, right? And it's in the understanding of being able to figure out these patterns, figure, figure out also just like weights of things. How much does one thing weigh over the other? How much does my mood weigh over my experience when I come into work? How will I know? And that's different for everybody. Is there a pattern that we could identify, right? If you tie it back to personal experiences, it's. I feel like it's easier to digest in terms of information, but there's just so many different variables at so many different times. And, and to predict is... The larger scale you have, the better it is. to you you will be at
0: predicting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this then gets, it goes
1: back okay. also to the same thing, right? It goes back to: Are you asking the right questions? Are you looking at the right data points? Right? Correlation, causation. We're not going to go into that either. Maybe we will. But there's there's all these things that things could be correlated, but then you have to understand what is the root cause behind
0: uh, something happening, right? Um, yeah. So you mentioned prediction, and uh, have do you think that? Like GPT LLMs right now, can they predict? Do you think that they can predict?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. They could tell you what you're going to say next to a degree in sentences. They can't predict everything, but they could predict a lot of the simpler stuff that I think even us can predict, right? I could, If I'm speaking to somebody, you've done this before, I'm sure. If not, then you're probably a much more polite person than I am. But sometimes you'll cut the person off and say the word that you think they're going to say before they do. You're predicting. Yeah, GPT could do that, and we could uh, we could all kind of do that. So I think it's a it's an easy. Yeah, they can throw into prediction. Yeah, uh,
0: and when I guess that there it is a predictive text sort of thing as well. So it's predicting the next token in a series of tokens, and it's like what's the most likely, which is just such a crazy thing. Um, and, but in from my understanding, one of the key components of science is that it's not science if it doesn't predict. Um, if it does predict, then it that's one ab- part of the, the it, one part of the function of science is to be able to predict the future based off of certain laws and certain patterns. Is that is that accurate? Well, that's a,
1: that's a... intuitively, I want to say maybe because yeah, I mean there is a. I'd have to probably brush up on a lot of my like my chemistry and my physics textbooks to to remember especially like quantum physics and stuff but I feel like there's also some random nature to to the to the universe right there's there's you can predict stuff but to what scale are you looking to predict stuff if you can you predict the 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 evolution of intelligence mm-hmm. in our solar system maybe you know i mean that but yeah i guess to to come to to simplify to what you're saying yeah science is definitely uh to make something scientific the scientific methodology that i was referencing earlier is it is to be able to within a specific confidence yeah got it uh, within a specific like accuracy repeatability repeatability uh be able to say that something is happening over and over again and that's what data is trying to do right that's what uh that's what analytics tries to do is to, to be able to find patterns and make sure that repeatability over time exists. Coming back to actually one of the things that I was, I was, I, I, you may have asked me this, you may have not asked me this, but one of the, the, the most interesting problems, probably one of the biggest problems that I face in analytics at invisible um, is the, the truth behind predictability. Mm. If you have like, yeah, if you have a million or a billion data points like I was saying it's easy to predict something it's easy to kind of be able to make a prediction of what's going to happen in a fairly accurate manner but think about invisible as a company we're fairly young and even within that our our age there have been such stark differences in our growth in our in the stages of our evolution and so how do you how can you really predict some things right uh some of my my favorite Questions are like, oh, can you tell me how much revenue we're going to have next year? Mm. No, I can't tell you that. I can't. I can't tell you that. In in, I could tell you like an estimate, sure, but I'm gonna be way off. Then say, for example, if I worked at a company that has had steady revenue for twenty years. So there are some questions, and uh, especially when it comes down to predictability, that 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 the lacking factor is is also time and repeatability.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it, it comes back again to like answering my own question: Can we, can we predict? Can what what is the role of prediction? And then the, the follow up question I think, which you basically asked in your statement, is well, on what scale is it? The scale of the universe? Are you are, are we predicting the universe? Are we predicting like uh, how many uh, customers Invisible will have next month, or or how many customers yeah. do they have today, and like whether we'll get one tomorrow? Um, and uh, and so the it totally matters at what scale as well. Um, really interesting, um, analytics. There is a question I had kind of in the, in what we were talking about analytics, what is the. What is the lore of analytics? How did analytics get started? Uh, who was the first person to do analytics for a business? I'm, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this stuff, I'm, but I imagine because you're so uh, deep in analytics, you might there might be a lore, a hidden lore that analytics people talk about and 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 maybe research. Do you have any? What is the history of analytics?
1: Uh, I don't know. Uh, mm. Actually, I'll be mm. I'll be honest with you. I have mm. no idea what the history of analytics is, and if there even is one, right? Because, like I mentioned, analytics is so common in day to day creating a specific function of it in a business. Maybe that I'd be interested to read up on it after this to mm. to see who was the the pioneer of being like, you know, what we should create an analytics team. But I mean, traditionally, if I look back in history, my guess would be analytics probably started with finance and and, and money, right? that's the first thing people wanted to predict how like how much money we're making how much how much money we're going to make next year how can we make more money these are all finance questions but they're also analytics questions at the end of the day
0: yeah interesting Um, yeah and this this brings to mind a a really interesting question just from my own personal knowledge but if anybody's from invisible probably also would be curious about this is like how there are some functions of a business that are very cross-disciplinary so they they transcend being in one silo. And then there are some that are much more siloed. And from what you just said, makes me think that analytics might be extremely cross discipline. Um uh, and uh and so besides money questions and finance questions, what are the main groups of people at Invisible that you're often like what are the main departments that you're working with? Is it all of them? Or do you have a specific like set group of people that you continuously talk with?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably my 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 third like analy- large scale analytics leadership position, and I always say the same thing. My team is there to work with everyone, maybe not legal, but even the legal team probably could benefit from same analytics, but historically they're they're the least analytically analytically involved, but um every team realistically can use analytics right so the the question I think is less about um. Who can analytics service? The question mm-hmm. is, what is the benefit of a centralized analytics team? That's something that I think is the the a more interesting question because so uh, some history on me. I used to work for a large company a while back, and I was doing analytics. Uh, I was doing I was I was working as a data analyst when I first started uh, in a very specific um, in a very specific department. I was in payments uh, fraud. Um, payment processing, uh, essentially uh, facilitating a large e-commerce uh, mm, mm, ecosystem. Mm. And what I was doing at the time was analyzing data for that, for for that for that department for that silo. Um, and within my silo, things were pretty easily explainable, or pretty easy to look at, or pretty even limited, I would say, in terms of my exposure. Uh, I had uh, some great leaders, some great mentors at the time um, who kind of very quickly opened my eyes and said, okay, yeah, you're looking at the data that you have, but like, what else would you want? Mm -hmm. Like, what else are you missing? And that goes back again to what I was saying with like, it's not really the, sometimes it comes down to what data points you, you you might not have. You might not be able to answer questions because you didn't think about tracking them and stuff. So going back to the story, like they taught me about Thinking about more of the bigger picture, but also tying in little smaller pictures together as well. Um, and the cross-functional nature and the the dollars transfer that is valuable in the analytics. Uh, and then from then on, I was able to spin off my own analytics team at that company itself just by saying like, hey, listen, I'm good at what I do. I'm starting to get better at what other people can do as well. We should start merging all this information. So. Um, I think the benefit of analytics, I think there's there's no doubt about it. Everybody could benefit from analytics, right? Everybody could benefit with being data-driven to some extent, if not to most of their extent. You should always be wondering, you should be always be asking, like, what is a measure of success for what, I, what are my goals? Mm-hmm. Right? We've all come up with it. Yeah. We all heard the yeah. SMART framework and whatever, but, like, the, at the end of the day, if you have a goal, you have to figure out a way to measure it. You can't just be like, yeah, did it. No, that doesn't work, right? There has to be some way you could tell people, yeah, I did it. Here's exactly how I could show you that I did it. Um, so, yeah, the, the team that is designed now, I think the people before me laid the groundwork, uh, Adam, uh, and people before me as well, who uh, I could name her. The, the, the beauty behind the analytics team at Invisible is its centralized nature. The fact that it is... Mm-hmm. Cross collaborative between departments, knowledge sharing between departments, innovative within recycling these ideas, for example, like you have a methodology that's used in finance. Can you apply that to people? Probably. Uh, and if you can't, you could probably modify it to some degree to make it applicable. There's data that is coming from operations. And does that kind of tie into, uh, I don't know, hiring? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a piece of information that live in different systems that live in different questions that could then be merged. So, yeah, that's the. Uh, hmm. I work with, to answer your question, I work with everyone. And the beauty behind that is that not only can I help everyone, but I could have other people help other people in in indirect ways through data and through it being able to merge information and being able to paint a paint a bigger, more robust picture.
0: That's really cool. Uh, I really liked your point about measuring goals. It, it, you know, you said you can't just have a binary. Yes, no. Did we? I mean, that that's helpful to know whether we've reached a goal is like, say, yes, we did or no, we didn't. Uh, but there's all this other sort of things that we want to understand about that goal. Um, really interesting point. Uh, what do you think about unmeasurable stuff? Um, so you know the aspects of either ourselves or the aspects of the things that we're trying to do, the intangibles. I've 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 been going in a deep dive in all these financial terms, and I've a few months ago I found out that goodwill is something they put on the balance sheet, and and it's like how do you value goodwill? Um, and, and then there's the, the, uh, in other intangibles, like IP, uh, uh, there are a whole bunch of r- really random ones, um, that just like are, are really hard to measure. And it, and it comes back to like goals as well. Cause sometimes there's unmeasurable parts of our goals. Uh, what's your take on, uh, things that we can't measure, but that are important.
1: Yeah. Um, my take is is pretty straightforward i think if you have to start somewhere and be able to relate it back to something that we we understand and we believe right when you talk about goodwill when you talk about ip specifically you tie it back to concepts that we understand like there is a that's what somebody ended up doing right they ended up quantifying something that was for the longest time only qualified is it quantified the right way i mean is is anything it, it goes back to what we believe it, it goes back to what society yeah. is as accepted as its truth right like i said like there there are years of patterns in society that we've come to, to accept and and we sometimes we fit sometimes we fit math to explain ourselves right we fit science to explain us not the other way around there's no absolute like yeah we figured out like math is absolute no math is a is a tool that we use to explain our understanding and our experiences um so to measure unmeasurables you relate it back to to known concepts you you tied back to repeatable um iterations right if if some if if 10 companies have measured something in a specific way or quantify goodwill as a percentage or whatever they've done then the 11th company should probably start following suit, et cetera. Maybe 10 is a low number, but when you start talking about tens of thousands and 11s of thousands, then you're starting to get a bit more realistic,
0: mm. right?
1: So it's um, there's always some way to quantify it, whether it be through tying it back to something that we are, we're familiar with or, or or even just kind of a trial of of relationship, a uh, um, an expectation of being able to, to identify a pattern. There's mm. there's some measurability in everything. I would say, like I mentioned, everything is data. I I I'll say this over and over again. Like every if I'm i just looking around, I'm collecting data. Yeah. Breathing, I'm collecting data. Thinking, I'm collecting data. Speaking, I'm collecting data. So
0: really, I mean,
1: some, some measurable way.
0: Uh, yeah, it's like it's just everything. It's some someone once said, like in everything in the universe is information. And then what you just said really makes me think about the subjective nature of living on a on on this planet and being a human and having conversations with other humans. And it's not it's not all just like outside in some sort of objective world that exists outside there. It's like all these questions they all come back to us. Like everything comes back to being a human being. And like to to speak of things like you know like outside of that realm is sort of meaningless. And and so math like it doesn't. It doesn't solve things that are somehow outside the human interest, but everything we do is always sort of self interested, whether it's like, yeah, as individuals or the collective, basically. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, what are your favorite questions that you like to ask? Like, say you start a new job, and, and this is this maybe sort of fresh in your mind because you, you know you're uh, relatively new. Although I think you've been here for for a few months now. Like what are the, what are the first questions that you like to ask once you start in relation to, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, to go directly what I said earlier, one of my favorite, one of the things I love knowing is history. It really sets the tone. It really sets the tone of understanding why things are the way that they are. It's the best way to get as much information about um, how things came to be. And and that's essential in an analytical role. And then partners with that, my second question usually is like, what's next? Like, what are you working towards now then? Like, what's the goal, right? And that essentially to oversimplify it is what analytics is doing. We're taking previous existing, uh, experiences and seeing if we're trending towards the target that we're trying to trend towards and then how much obviously details there but yeah yeah you get the the big picture
0: oh and there's two questions we could go I would like I would love to understand like who are the people that you really kind of uh, got that from and how how were you able to do that at invisible to understand the past and understand the future was it you reading into our notion or did you um uh did you like was that mostly oral tradition like uh, talking to people, having conversations, um, and then also the goals. I mean, we we did an exercise where we got all our goals on paper as well. And I think you you came in right at that time. So, um, uh, what what was that process like for finding out all that stuff in Invisible?
1: Yeah, I think that process probably is different person to person. It seems it's a very personal experience on how like I think we're 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 asking questions about how do people learn, how do people take in information. I'm a big fan of talking to people. That's how I get like the most information. I've I would say like. In the last 10 years, I've probably gotten the most information from conversations, uh, from being able to just get firsthand experience on what people do. There's a reason to that, right? Also, I'm a big, I levitate towards passion and I levitate towards excitement and charisma. And you don't get that from reading a, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm insulting people, including myself. You don't get charisma sometimes from reading uh documentations or or knowledge management although if you've tried to read any of the stuff that i put out i try to make it as charismatic as possible i try to make it as like relatable and fun to read uh, because that's how i understand so i i've my my blessing and a curse working for a remote company Mm. is is tricky because there's some there's a there's a sense of um being personal with people, I guess, to 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 be redundant in that sentence, to be personal with people, there, there's value there, right? To understand, like, from their experiences, but, like, firsthand being next to them, being able to see what, like, what their body language is when talking about someone versus just being, like, I don't know, over Zoom call their cameras off and try to be like, yeah, so tell me about what you do and monotone dogs barking in the background. My dog barks on the background. So I'm only, sh- I'm, I'm, I'm shooting shots on myself more than anyone else <laughs> dogs barking in the background. You know what I mean? Uh, the, uh, Amazon delivery just came in. Your water delivery just came in. You gotta, you gotta step out. It's, it's, uh, it's separate a separate world. Uh, it's yeah. like, it's, it's
0: like, and it, I've been thinking about this so much in terms of time zones. Uh, like w- when I was back in California, immediately getting on a call at 6am and then having somebody who's in East coast, And they're, you know, just past their morning hump. So all the cortisol has already kind of gone down, but that's just, that's a totally new problem that like humans never, never had to experience that ever uh, in a mismatch. And that's so so fundamental. Like our day is so fundamental. It's so fundamental to our, to our, who we are, like where the sun is, like sharing all those senses and all of that is completely crazy inside of a, so you have to deal with not only the physical time zones themselves, but also the energetics surrounding the time zones, which is such a interesting thing. Um, But yeah.
1: Yeah, and then you gotta understand how people are, right? At the end of the day, too. So I've I've i th- I feel like I thrive on on being as personable as I can. I try to like understand like people's like what they like, what they don't like. Are they a Monday people? Are they a morning person? Are they a night person? Are they like slack people, email people? Communication is super important at a company. Um also like when are people the happiest? When are people the saddest? That's that's something that's like super important. I keep, I think saying the word. The word "happy" because I, as, as somebody who's analytical, that's one of the things that I I correlate to a lot of things. When people are happy, they do better work. When people are happy, you're going to get more out of them. When people are unhappy, you're uh, you're less likely to have a good time doing anything with them, right? So, uh, so if anybody, for everybody who's listening, it's, the holidays are coming up soon. So ask all the favors you want now, but then then after the holidays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough problem the the remote environment is, a, is is a very new problem and for a lot of people they're still getting the hang of it uh, I've been remote for five almost five years now mm. um, I, I' have three companies remote and it's been it's been mm. great for me but I still face challenges where I'm like, man, I wish I could just like poke someone while they're working turn to a whiteboard and just talk. And not just talk to hear myself listen but also like listen to other people like it's uh yeah it's just been it's just been tricky to to squeeze efficient like thought leadership into into our day-to-day and 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 whatnot but i I think i think invisible invisible does a good job at it but i think uh yeah it's it's an ongoing kind of battle to get that right
0: and you just definitely pinpointed something, you know, people talk about it a lot, that you're not in the same office, so you can't just go up to somebody, but but the, the specific visual that you gave of like tapping them on the shoulder, that doesn't exist inside of a remote company. You can send them a message on Slack, but, you know, usually the, the it and it actually fits my personal way that I've, because I was do, I've been doing podcasts remotely for so long that it needs to be on the calendar. If it's not on the calendar, then it's not going to happen. And so everything needs to be scheduled to the T. Whereas in inside of an office that although, you you know, scheduling is still important, um, it's not, just because you're all there, you can you can essentially do that. And that's something really interesting. I wonder if there's a way to recreate that of, a, of essentially how to to. I think it had to have to be some sort of opt in group, like maybe a Slack channel, like, but but usually yeah. you're looking for somebody specific um, uh, to to talk to about something. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I used to do this thing with my team specifically because I feel like I riff with my team a lot and I find mm-hmm. value in it, right? I, we're all kind of analysts, like-minded people. And I, I'm, as someone who's a big fan of experiences that come together to build a, a bigger picture, um, I, I, I tried to do this thing at the last place I was at where we would dedicate, if I recall, about two to three hours where we're all on, uh, I think it was Zoom... We were all on Zoom working, just cameras on working and you could do whatever you want. You could be like, hey, I have a qu-. like it's is you're basically just like yeah, directly exposed okay. to people. You have to be there. You have no distractions. You are you are there physically. You're there virtually. And if somebody has a question, they ask you. And a lot of times that was like it was good for quick hits right? A lot of times people are like, yeah, I'm going to solve this myself. And I've had this problem in my team and I've had this problem myself also. People want to solve things themselves. Yeah. But if you ask somebody, you're probably going to get the answer in five minutes. Like, is it worth your 50 minutes to try to figure it out? It's cool that you have that self-starter mentality. Yeah, sure, sure. But there's a there's a balance there. So it was, it was super beneficial for those like quick hit questions, but it was also super beneficial for them people jumping in. Right if I'm having a conversation I'm riffing with someone somebody could be listening behind yeah. me and that's yeah. again, again the same as the office we've if anybody's working in an office that's like it goes back to blessing and a curse you're going to overhear people talking but sometimes those conversations are valuable yeah not only are they valuable for you to hear but sometimes they're valuable for your input as well and you don't know that yeah um I was in a I was in a call about something I'm not going to go into topics specifically but I had a lot of experience with a specific topic and There was a very little chance anybody would have known that, but because I was then and there present in the in the moment on a call and I happened to be there, I was able to help out with the expertise that I have, and 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 that's 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 something that's again like I said hard to replicate and hard to get right, but we're trying we're we're Hmm. right now and i'm the biggest like my girlfriend wants to have breakfast i'll be like put in my calendar like i can't live without a calendar anymore, <laughs> Right. so i get that i get yeah. the schedule like i get that we want to be organized i get the time is value is the biggest asset i get it 100 percent. but yeah we all know the value of also like sharing in the moment riffing on a whim right those are those are super important too mm. especially for knowledge, knowledge transfer especially for 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 stuff like that even even when it comes to analytics right i i would probably love sometimes to just be with one of my stakeholders and just hear them talk it out about what they're doing and then me being like yeah you could probably like plug in some data in here or you should probably be measuring this to be able to like make sure what you're doing but you don't get that time as, as freely anymore you don't get to the hovering the hovering around effect isn't there anymore where you could just hover around the office and be like do you need help you need help you need help you need help right so it's a uh... Yeah, it's a shame, but there's 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 alternatives and there's different ways of replicating it. So that was yeah. one of mine was the with my team. I was able to do some semblance of that.
0: In the podcast, that's actually what uh, as you were talking, I'm realizing that's what I do with this podcast is that with each of these episodes, I get such more and hopefully the people listening to these also get so much more insight into all the like your span of awareness and like all the things that you're interested in. There's a whole bunch of things we talked about that I did not know about you. Um, and so I feel like it's a really, really good way, but it's asynchronous and it's not, it, it's not with that same work mentality of like, what are the problems that we're, we're, we're kind of like solving? What, well, how do, we, how to recreate that riffing is a really interesting problem. There might be a way to, to think through it as well.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope we find better, better ways of, uh, of riffing. I think right now we're, uh, it's just easy to default to formal, sometimes, you know.
0: Yes, interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, how can, uh, if anybody's listening from Invisible or anybody's li- listening outside of Invisible, how can they uh, find out more about you?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of just hitting me up. I am, uh, you'll almost always get an answer from me within 24 hours. So hit me up on Slack, email me, whatever, even cold call me if you want. Don't cold call me. Uh, yeah. Slack me or, <laughs> or email me. I'm I'm always available. And I love I love talking to people. As much as I like, get cranky about how much, how little time I have to do things. Um, I will always make time to meet people. I think it's the most valuable thing that I've, I've been able to have as a, as an asset in my, in my career, my personal life is getting to take other people's uh, experiences. And so hit me up if you're interested to get to know more about me, but also um, anything about analytics, if you have experience about it, everybody's done something analytical, right? That's what I, that's what i am I'm, I'm, I've seen throughout the years. If, if you, if you worked on a project hit me up i'd love to hear about it. if you're thinking about working on a project if you came up with an idea i'd love to hear it so my door's always open thank you paul thank you Stuart. hey thanks for tuning into plain sight presented by invisible if you liked what you heard be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network And if you're interested in learning more about how invisible helps teams cut costs and scale visit our website at invisible.co see you next time